Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. Coming at you as we do every Sunday morning from 9 to 11. Talking all things in the world of sports. Located here in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Um, we are owned by... We're the only locally owned sports radio station in the city of Louisville in southern Indiana market. Owned by our man Dugan Ryan. He gives us the creative flexibility to discuss on the air... What we want to discuss. There are local stories always, uh, but if a, a national story draws our attention and demands uh, we cover the story, that is what we will focus our energy on. Lately, there have been many local stories for us to cover, and there is, we're in the heart of college basketball. Louisville and Kentucky both with wins yesterday. Kentucky against North Carolina with 103-100 to 100 win. Louisville, not quite as difficult of a test against Eastern Kentucky, winning 87-56. to Indiana actually fell to uh, Butler yesterday. So there's a lot of action in the world of college basketball, and there's no region of the country that cares about college basketball more than right here. Nationally, uh, plenty of stories. We got the college football playoff uh, to preview. A lot of uh, storylines that go into those specific bowl games and the other bowl games across the country. The Oklahoma, there's been a, a scandal with Oklahoma and a, a football player, Joe Mixon. Uh, tape has re- been released from 2014 that shows him assaulting a young female. And that's uh, something that I think we'll have uh, a little bit of attention paid to over the course of the show this morning. We're actually going to head to the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line, which is 502-384-1450. We have our man Brian the Insider is on with us. How are you this morning, Brian? I'm doing great, Kelly. Great to be on with you. As you said, there's a lot of, wow, what a lot of stories to cover. Um, Well, let's start right off the top. That Kentucky-North Carolina game yesterday was like watching an NBA game, in my opinion. There, There was probably... Four or five guys that are immediately on between the two teams that are going to make an immediate impact next year in the NBA. But you have to start right off with Malik Monk. I mean, uh, I think Rafferty said it best. The announcer said, this Monk makes the other players pray. Because uh, I am telling you what, if he didn't look like the second coming of Seth Curry or or uh, who's the other guard that uh, Golden State has? Clay Thompson. Uh, Kelly, yeah, Tom said, I think he actually looks a little more like him, but unbelievable and, and just as in, uh, uh, impressive was uh, Fox, the point guard for Kentucky. Pulled out a big game, a uh, very competitive game against an extremely talented uh, North Carolina team in Las Vegas. But, boy, by listening and looking at the crowd, it, it, it looked like Rupp West. Uh, so uh, I know North Carolina is a big program, and they have plenty of fans, but uh, it was all Kentucky blue there. So that's interesting to talk about. Uh, while we're talking about basketball, you know, how about Butler knocking off Indiana, like you mentioned? And I'm going to argue, and I know you've got a loyal caller that we all like to listen to, the truth. Truth, I'm going to tell you that can, your Indiana Hoosiers or maybe the fourth best team in Indiana. I think. Uh, I yeah. I think. I think they clearly lost to, to Butler, 
And I think they're, I think Notre Dame would be able to beat them, and I think definitely Purdue would be able to beat them if they played. I don't know if they're going to play those teams. But, you know, what, Kelly, what's interesting about that Butler win, Butler's led by a, a kid from Ballard that, you know, he's averaging almost 19 a game. He got 28 yesterday, Martin. Uh, and he's a junior, averaged about 15 last year. He's averaging almost 19 this year. Here's a kid from Ballard High School. I believe that's where he went. I know he's from Louisville, 6'7", 220, that wasn't recruited uh, by either Louisville or Kentucky. And here he goes, and he takes the, the Butler program, and he looks like an All-American there, and, and maybe. I mean, it looks like he may be the Big East Player of the Year. Uh, I mean, very impressive performance there. So, uh, but, but let's, start, let's start by the most important news. Being a Louisville Cardinal fan like I am, finally, this week he leaks. Wiki Wake Forest, whatever you want to call it, this bizarre story originating out of North Carolina is over. They have fined the ACC commissioner, finally returned from his vacation or wherever he's been for the last three or four days while this thing spiraled out of control. Uh, and uh, he's fined Louisville 25000 He's also fined Virginia Tech 25000 Everybody knows Galloway, Louisville had to, suspend him for the bowl game but i'm going to tell you this thing is ridiculous how and i'd love to hear some of your callers i mean louisville just got raked over the coals you talked about oklahoma's you know playing a guy that's on tape for beat punching and actually i watched the tape yesterday broke her jaw i mean just delivered a and she couldn't stand i mean it looked like someone coming up from a tyson fight she she staggered and i mean if that would have happened at the university of louisville the sounds you'd be hearing, which is the sounds that I used to think it was just Kentucky fans. Now I think it's the whole country. I live in Ohio. I'm amazed at the hatred and the vitriol across the country for Louisville. But if that had been a Louisville football player, you'd be hearing the signs of the bulldozers wiping out the University of Louisville's facilities, uh, starting by the Papa John's uh, Stadium and then just taking out the whole university. I mean, they'd want that university closed. Nothing's going to happen to Oklahoma. Not, I mean, they almost slipped into the ball game. I, but nothing will come from this Oklahoma situation. But it, it won't even reach the same story as an asinine Wake Forest, disgruntled Wake Forest announcer giving Louisville plays uh, and, and Louisville becoming the worst franchise, the worst college in, in sports for accepting those plays. I mean, the, this whole week has been dominated nationally. I had a friend of mine traveling through Columbus and called me and knows I'm a Cardinal fan and said, Brian, do you realize that all they're talking about in Columbus is how Louisville stole the plays from Wake Forest? I said, well, hold on, buddy. It's not quite that way. They didn't steal them. They were given to them. But uh, you know what's interesting, Kelly, about this story that's come out from the ACC release yesterday was that Louisville got fined 25000 They were given plays this year, 2016. Virginia Tech was fined 25000 because they were given plays back in 2014 from the same guy at Wake Forest. But Army, our prestigious national Army program, who's not governed by the ACC, they were given plays from the same guy in both 2014 and 2016, and all we get out of Army was, we're going to look into this. So, and nobody has even mentioned on national media that Army got it two years and never did anything about it. But all we got to hear about is how bad and how disgusting Louisville has been for taking the plays 
in in a in a situation where these coaches are their careers hang on each game. These coordinators are fired at the whim of the athletic director or if their head coach leaves. In an ultra-competitive world, Louisville has just been drug over the coals on this story where Army received them two years, starting in 14 like Virginia Tech, never did anything about it. But because they're and, – and understandably, Kelly, the statement George put out was horrible. And in and, and, and this PR – correct society that we live in that Donald Trump, by the way, and don't want to get off into politics, has exposed. It all comes down to not what happened, but the contrite statement you put out after it happened. So Virginia Tech's guy, who had it two years ago, didn't do anything. They've known about it for two years at Virginia Tech. He puts out a brilliantly written statement, and he and everybody says that's how you handle it. Jurich and, and this was bad for Jurich, and, I, and, and real slip-up, in my opinion, for Jurich. Looked to be angry, frustrated, didn't, didn't sit down with anybody, and just blasted out a very off-the-cuff, and it turned out to be a very bad statement. Didn't change the facts on the ground. It just was a statement. And, uh, and that is why Louisville has been – but I'm telling you, Make no mistake about it, for, for someone that follows the national media and who lives in Ohio, Louisville is hated. I mean, I used to think, I lived 12 years in Louisville, I just thought it was Kentucky fans that hate them. No, it's, it's, there's a lot of people that hate Kentucky, or I'm sorry, Louisville, across the country. And, but nothing will come of this Oklahoma deal, promise you. Well, it certainly helps that Louisville has Bobby Petrino and Rick Bettino running the two most profitable parts of the athletic department. So that's my summary. Brian, I appreciate you bringing up the Wakey Leaks. That's certainly something I missed during my intro. We're going to get into that and more. We hope you stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz.
Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. Coming at you as we do every Sunday morning from 9 to 11. Talking all things in the world of sports. Our man Brian the Insider got us going in the first hour. We obviously have college basketball to discuss. College football playoff to preview. The Wakey Leak scandal, at least here locally, <laughs> and apparently across the entire country, according to Brian, is at the tip of everybody's tongue. Um, Virginia Tech, Army, and Louisville all accepted plays from this disgruntled former coach turned commentator for Wake Forest. And I'm not, I certainly would never suggest that that's not cheating. It is. <laughs> it's just, I, I, can't stop from almost laughing at the entire scenario. It seems so humorous to me that that would even happen. Um, other college football story nationally that's getting a lot of attention is Joe Mixon, elite Oklahoma football player. A tape was released of him punching a young female, and it was not pretty. I watched the entire, I think it was an eight-minute tape, not only showed um, the... It, altercation between the two, but then it, it it stuck around and it showed details of her trying to get up, her standing up uh, afterward and not being able to get up. So she was clearly very hurt. Keep in mind that was from 2014, but we're going to get into that and more regarding the world of college football. In studio this morning, we have Tombe Kose, our college football analyst. How are you this morning, Tombe? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Doing great. I appreciate you you joining us. I want to introduce you to our listeners to, before we get started. Absolutely. You played football for Syracuse. Sure I did. You were a fullback. Yes, sir. So that's a little bit of insight into, at the time it was the Big East probably. Yeah, in the Big East. Absolutely. Okay. You played, uh, how, how many years you played for Syracuse? Uh, I played uh, from 2010 to 2012, so uh, approximately two years. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. So that's a, a little bit of insight into the world of big-time college football. Um, you play with any guys, what, Nassib? Who uh, went, I played with Ryan, Ryan Nassib was, was, was my quarterback at the time. Uh, DeLon Carter and uh, uh, Antoine Bailey. Uh, DeLon had a little little stint here with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I, I was also fortunate enough to play with uh, guys like Shamarco Thomas uh, on a defensive end and uh, – Chandler Jones, who is probably the biggest Ooh. name, uh, that's, that's among, the biggest name that's among my teammates. Absolutely, that's what I was looking for. That's yes, a, a household name these days, isn't it? Yes, sir. So we appreciate you joining us this morning. We've got plenty to get to in the world of college football. I know that's right up your area of expertise absolutely. to discuss. Once again, I want to encourage our listeners to give us a call on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line which is 502-384-1450. We're actually going to head to the buzz line now. We have our man Marcus is on the line with us. How are you this morning, Marcus? Well, I'm cold. Yeah. And I bet you are too. Yeah, it's a ch- chilly morning. Hey, uh, is it about, it's less than 90 hours now to the UK L game, and I was just wondering, have Rick Pitino and Tom Jurich started their crybaby routine about the... Kentucky fans in the uh, arena yet? Yeah, I, I I don't think so, but you're right. It, it almost seems like it's going to be an anticlimactic event as we have so much going on right now. And, oh, yeah, just a few days away from UK versus UofL. Well, and I don't know if you noticed this, but they decided to start tolling 
we uh, new bridges that you know we spent all that money on on the same day that Louisville plays Indiana. I, I think that's just a funny little coincidence that they decided to trick everybody with, you know. I did. I didn't see that, Marcus. Is that what they're doing on that specific day? Yeah, the the, the, U, the uh, U of L Indiana game is December the thirtieth, and that's when the tolling starts on the bridge. Well, that's a, so. a, a frugal move on somebody's part, right? Yeah, I guess you know they figure there'll be a lot of traffic, so they might as well start making their money there. And I don't know. We, but hey, uh, listen, I, I heard you in your introduction. Yeah, what, what, what's the theme of your call today? What do you have for us overall, Marcus? Well, I heard that in, in your introduction you talked about that uh, that kid from uh, Oklahoma that they've got uh, a video of. And I'll tell you what drives me nuts is watching uh, worthless, useless uh, ESPN uh, and the whacked out liberal morons that, you know, stand there and commentate. Uh, and I wonder if these idiots are watching the same video that I watched because in the video that I saw, I saw two people involved in an altercation. I saw person one start the altercation, attack person two, strike person two in the face, and I saw person two retaliate in self-defense. And now, because person one was a white girl and person two is a black male, the black male is made out to be the ultimate villain. And I, and, and I heard you say, oh, and I've seen the whole video, and, and the girl was clearly hurt. What did she expect was going to happen? She did. If, if, we're being, you, if we're being fair, she struck Joe Mixon before he struck her. Right. He's walking by her. She, you, I mean, you know, video, you can't tell what she's saying. She starts talking to him, supposedly stands there, up, there gives some, him the— some racial comments, supposedly. We don't know. You can't tell by the video. Right, you can't tell by the video. So whatever name she may have called him, whatever racial epithet she may or may not have used, she stood up from her table and attacked him, okay? So now, it just seems to me like as long as it's safe to use worthless platitudes like everybody's equal in this country and women have the same rights as men have, everything is fine and good, as long as women are allowed to do whatever they want when it comes to attacking men. But as soon as one fights back, we have to vilify the male. And I'm sure that there are already NFL thugs coming out and going, oh, you just don't hit women. You just don't hit women. As if that's the solution to everything. Right? I'm sorry. The solution to everything is equal protection under the law. Did people think that this wasn't investigated by the police? Right? I, yeah, this I, I, woman, I, I, yeah, I saw the video. I think she well, staggers up from the floor and falls back down. Good. I <laughs> bet you she never attacks another human being in the rest of her life. All right, Marcus, we appreciate the call. And me, to be fair, everything you've, you've said about the video is accurate. Um, we appreciate your call, Marcus. Before we let you go, anything else you want to chime in on? Well... I've been slapped by five women in my life, and I'm five for five slapping them back. Oh, my God. So. All right. Thank you very much, Marcus. Have a great rest See of the weekend. Well, Tom Bay, I, w- I wasn't quite expecting that. Here, c- can you hear? All right. There, you we, know we, what? What's uh, up? Uh, based on, you know, uh, 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 a variety of individuals uh, calling into this uh, station, I kind of expected an answer like that. I mean, it's like – 
it's kind of like you got to take a look at the you got you got to take a take a look at things from uh both viewpoints you know and obviously uh you know social uh, the media you know uh uh mainstream or not may have you know totally opposing views you know because everybody's trying to dig deep into the story all, all we see is one side of the story and uh you know you know i i wasn't surprised that somebody called in and and, and gave uh, a completely different you know viewpoint from from what yeah yeah it's a contrarian the, view absolutely. which is perfectly fine that's what's for uh you know sports talk radio and right, talk radio right. is about is voicing your opinions and if we're being honest if you use the 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 way that he phrased it Person A walks into a, a bar, and person A hits person B, and person B then hits person A back. Right. I mean, he's not lying. You know, it's, it's not popular to but, say it that way, and and especially the icing on the cake is when he said at the end that he's five. <laughs> he said he's five for five. When when he's being slapped by women, he slaps them back. Slaps that's, them back. that's 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 a little much, but right. you know. Right. You know, and 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 you know, I mean, that's not that's not necessarily stating my stand on this whole whole uh, uh uh you know issue going on uh you know i did see the video uh posted by uh espn this morning mm-hmm. and uh you know I, in fact i did see what what uh this gentleman here who called in uh stated i did see that you know in the backdrop kind of there was this individual and it seemed like this girl was standing up for this individual who may have you know, stirred up some things to cause Joe Mixon to 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 become upset and outraged, and ultimately this girl, you know, it's it's like, you know, what I saw was an individual who may have stirred something up, or you know, may have had an issue with uh, Joe Mixon at the point at at the, at the point in time, and Joe Mix, uh, I mean, the individual's girl kind of stepping into the way and saying, hey, you know. She may have tried to appease the situation, you but know, she but she hit him. She it, hit him, though. you know, and that, that's what I said early on. She may have tried to appease the situation. Yes, okay. And it, and it seemed, before the video, before started. the video, okay, exactly. Yes. And it seemed like Joe Mixon was uh, was not hot and was not having. She it wasn't. He at wasn't that hearing point. it. Exactly, yeah. he wasn't hearing it at that point. He was so outraged that he said, "You know, it's it's quite impossible to stop somebody who's who's already been outraged." So maybe this individual has caused Joe Mixon to be outraged. And she tried to defuse the situation uh, be prior to that whole situation going down. And where the video comes into play is where, you know, probably Joe Mixon may have said, may have said something to her or, you know, she may have, you know, got fed, fed up with trying to appease the situation and trying to calm Joe Mixon down that she, you know, kind of became – Part of the problem, you yeah. know, instead of part, instead of part of the solution, it's a bad situation. Regardless. Causing her, causing her to ultimately put her hands on Joe Mixon, and Joe Mixon retaliating by absolutely, you know, drilling her. Which, you know, I think that, you know, to be honest with you, you know, we can't control what individuals say to us. You know, we we do control how we choose to let it affect us as individuals and. Being that Joe Mixon is 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 a a big time Division One player, big time Division One college college athlete, you kind of expect him to uh to handle you know kind of similar adverse situations in in a much in a much more responsible in a much more much more responsible manner. You know, I don't think that striking a female 
is a win situation for anybody, given the fact that, you know, they necessarily can't defend themselves uh, against a man without having a weapon or or, or whatnot. You know, just just especially somebody like Mixon, somebody like Mixon, who is an an elite athlete who is, you know, under a training regiment, which you know, which which is set to kind of separate him in terms of you know, physical stature and strength and, and things of that nature from the common individual, especially being that it was a woman. Gotcha. You know, I think that the best thing for Joe Mixon to probably do is probably to, to have got his, whatever he was doing in there, getting his food or whatever. Get the hell you know, out of there. Get your food and get out of there. Just avoid you know, the situation. Maybe should absolutely. have never even, something I had to have happened before the video. Absolutely. He shouldn't have been there. for so, a- Absolutely. Easy for me to say, I don't know what happened. Right. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of armchair quarterbacks when it comes to stuff like this. Absolutely. We don't know exactly right. what went down. And, and I'm not saying that Mixon is a, a bad guy necessarily right, or right. a good guy. Well, clearly he did something very bad. Absolutely. He did. Yeah, There's no getting yeah. around that. And That's he, a horrible he, thing. I'm sure he's it, – it'll it'll haunt him the rest that. of his yeah, life. Yeah. And, and things like that, unfortunately, do happen. This one happened to be caught on video. Right. So he's going to have to live with that, kind of right. like Ray Rice. Right. For the rest of his life, Absolutely. he will be uh, probably picketed in the NFL, <laughs> and there will be people who, who are anti – uh, Mixon, no matter what, that that's right, not going right. away. Unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. It happened. He should have, you know. It's part of his reputation. Future kids, now. You, you've been in coaching before, right? And, and you got to advise your kids. Absolutely. You know, there's going to be uh, even you know guys and people who are heckling you. Right. You got to handle those in mature ways. Absolutely. Um, another, I'm going to trans, you know, uh, uh, transition into another college football storyline. Wakey leaks. We talked about. <laughs> Now, I'm going to ask you your perspective on this, Tom Bay. Okay. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Um, you have friends in the NFL. Yes, you I have do. friends um, who are still involved with the Syracuse football program. Yes, sir. All right. Let's, let's paint a picture here. One of your friends gets you a job on the Syracuse coaching staff, all right? Right, right. I don't even know. What's the name of the Syracuse coach right now? Uh, it's uh... – it's uh, Art Bryles. Uh, okay. He's part of the Art Bryles coaching tree. It is uh, Dino Babers from San Diego, California. Okay, yes. Absolutely. So let's say you get a job on his staff, all right? Yes, sir. Then he's let go next year. Uh, and you, you, you're you you're Syracuse through and through. Absolutely. I bleed orange. You bleed orange. Yes, sir. And they don't keep you on the staff because you lose your job because the head coach was fired. But you accept a job <laughs> – as a, a commentator, this is what happened at Wake Forest. You accept a job as a commentator. Right. Under any circumstance, would you ever then start taking your access to your play? Because you're an offensive player. You'd be on the offensive staff. Right. Your access to the playbooks that you know they're still using. Right. And leaking them to, to opponents. How does that go down? That's what happened with this Wake Forest scandal. How exactly is someone so disgruntled? And so angry at the, the the program that they are still pretty much employed by. I don't know <laughs> that, I, that, that they're going to give away plays like that. You know, it's it's quite interesting because you know it's it it kind of has a lot to do with uh, anger and how much animosity you have towards towards uh, a specific program. However, the individuals, the faces within that program, you know, those faces come and go. The program always will remain you know at Syracuse will always remain Wake Forest will always remain the individuals who come you know in and out of that program 
you know, those those individuals kind of fade off. And, and I think that the only way you, you, you have this this type of issue is that, you know, if there is continuity within that program and you have this individual who's who's absolutely, you know, irate about uh, uh, losing their position that that, you know, they make it sort of sort of, you know, uh, their mission to try to sabotage sabotage that program or sabotage what it is that that individual has going on, you know, to try to eradicate or kind of, kind of, not eradicate, but kind of, uh, 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 even the, even the score, score, even the score, even the score out and and, and sabotage their own program, sabotage that program by trying to eliminate, you know, what type of continuity they may have or what type of shot they may have towards kind of succeeding, you know, if you will. And, and, you know, I think that's the only way you have that type of issue because, why else would you, you know, not only do it at one institution, but, you know, several institutions? I've know? always been intrigued by fullbacks, actually. Absolutely. Lorenzo Neal. that? that Lorenzo Neal. That is, that is the greatest. That is the GOAT. That is the greatest of all time. Is Lorenzo Neal? Absolutely. I know, I know you're from time. California, right? Absolutely. Lorenzo's my he, guy. He, he, actually, he mostly made it cut his teeth, not only with the Chargers. <laughs> I shouldn't say the that. Saints, the Saints. Every back he's blocked for has rushed for over Corey 1,500 Dillon, yards. Corey, Corey Dillon. Absolutely. With the, my, my Bengals, Absolutely. that's where I fell in Absolutely. love with them. Yes, sir. But if you have a true blocking, it's like a, a, a really valuable pocket knife. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. And um, so sorry for the tangent there, but Lorenzo Neal's embodies kind of why I'm so intrigued with the fullback position. So my point was this. Mm. If you're a blocking fullback, you understand the intricacies of the offense yes, entirely. Sir. Yes, sir. How much would it help the opposition to have an idea of what plays you might call? <laughs> the opposition uh, being the being, defense, being the, the defense, yes, <laughs> being the guy that that. From my perspective, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> Why you, it's, you're laughing? Is it, it? It is. It's from 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 my perspective. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like giving my my exact kind of clone, you know, which is the linebacker position. You know, giving them a perspective. Into what we're trying to accomplish. Your uh, clone is the fullback. You, the person you're responsible for is the, is the fullbacker. Primarily, think, it's not the that, nose tackle, but the but the linebacker. But the linebacker. Okay. Now the only time I had, I had not thought the of only it that time way. the only time we're responsible for those those big boys are when our offensive line misses a block or something. You know. However, I feel like you know the fullback and the linebacker are a direct uh, representation of one another. You know. I feel like uh, the fullback may be you know, slightly more gifted, uh, uh, you know, athletically in, in terms of trying to catch the ball out of the backfield and maybe even run the ball a little bit. However, you know, I think those two positions resemble each resemble each other, being that we we we're both we're we're both uh, five yards away from the line of scrimmage, and you know, our point of impact is either at the line of scrimmage or at our opponent's okay. side of the ball. But but but, but if the defense knows what plays. Are in your uh, your, your oh, wheelhouse. They, they okay. blow it up. But but they don't know when when each one's going to be called. Right. And it sounds like I'm being the Louisville <coughs> football because I am a Louisville football fan. Right. Um. Uh, it sounds like I'm an apologist, and I'm saying it doesn't matter that they have the plays. Right. But convince me, Tom Bay, why it does matter? Because you don't. My point. My angle is this: you don't know when they're calling which play. Still, do well, you? Well, unless you, you have somebody in your ear as the defensive coordinator absolutely. saying. Right. They're doing a run to the right right, right now, right. a sweep. Right. Go. Right. You don't know that. That's not what happened in Wakey Leaks. What happened is this is kind of the format. This is the type play that they run a lot of times. 
probably information like that. Right. Okay. So how much now, does stuff like that help, Tom? Now, now, here's my biggest thing with that with that kind of question is, you know, uh, in terms of offensive coordinators, you know, throughout the whole country, every offensive coordinator has uh, what we call tendencies, and and uh, you know, film study is obviously something you learn. You know, as you progress throughout your career uh, playing football, you know, in Little League, you probably didn't watch any film. You know, high school, uh, you began watch, watching, you know, slightly a little bit of film. And then ultimately into college and into the pros, you, you, you start really be, becoming a student of the game. And, you know, film is almost what separates you. Uh, uh, from your opponent because okay. everybody's kind of gifted athletically. So in terms of knowing the plays, I feel like uh, given that given that every offensive coordinator has tendencies and and the amount of time players spend in the film room, you know, you got some guys who are the first ones in there and the last ones to leave. And uh, you know, prime example, uh, a buddy of mine, Charlie Loeb, uh, he backed Ryan Nass about throughout throughout his entire career uh, at Syracuse. Quarter, guy, quarterback, obviously. Quarterback, absolutely. This guy prepared. He he, he probably prepared uh, more more than anybody. Okay, so, I've ever known. So, so the, these plays, knowing them, helps mm-hmm. with the film preparation, basically, and it even to a different degree think, enhances that preparation. I so think, it's a competitive edge, and and you're you're you are going along with the narrative, and and rightfully so. I'm sure <coughs> you know more than I do, right, Tom Bay. That it helps and it gives you a competitive edge and it's not fair, right? Right, but you know it's not so that the plays help you with the film. I I uh, I almost kind of you know will say that the film actually helps you understand the plays and understand when <coughs> understand what it is to expect. You know, kind of kind of kind of be able to gaze into these uh these tendencies that the uh, that these offensive coordinators have you know if whether whether they run the ball you know uh uh uh, uh so the 80, tendencies tendencies so if they run the ball 80% of the time on first down then as a, as a linebacker I'm coming into that game and I'm expecting run you know I'm expecting run and if I take my read step and I read pass that's fine I could I could open my hips up and still get back into my zone you know okay. I don't I don't fully now I don't fully commit until I until I diagnose the entire play, and and that comes after taking that read step and 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 and, and seeing things with my eyes. You know, I see the quarterback handed off, then I shoot my gap and I fill that fill that hole and try to make a tackle. Okay. You know, but if I don't know the play, then you know, though I take my read step, you know, I'm still kind of hesitant. Okay. You know, I'm hesitant in terms of uh, uh, the point of attack. Uh, Given the formations, you know, the formations to be able to tell me what type of runs we're running. So if I see personnel, actually, if I see 21 personnel coming in the game, you know, I could kind of expect power lead and I could expect a toss to the outside. So there's a certain degree of already knowing what's right. going down by, by doing film study right. and also by recognizing the sets, right. which are consistent maybe right. with that coaching, that offensive coordinator's tendencies. Absolutely. Norv Turner and Lorenzo Neal did oh, this yeah. and that, so oh, we yeah. know that when when uh, LT and that. Phillip Rivers are doing this, um, that Lorenzo Neal's going to be blocking to the right guard, and, and that Antonio Gates is not going to be a Amen. receiver. He's not even going to be Amen. in this play. Amen. Stuff like that. So you recognize stuff like that. But if you have if you have plays, yeah, given to you, I'm trying to differentiate. All right, Tom. Uh, but, okay, okay, so I'm. 
So, so I see. How much of a competitive edge do the plays, if, does that matter? If I get the plays, it, shoot, if I get the plays, then, you know, that kind of, you know, that, that saves my time. And, and, and that saves my time of, of being in the film room. So and, the, okay, and so that, that I'm just allowed, gives you I'm a, allowed to go home and, and do my homework and, you know, maybe play the Xbox. Does, does Army <laughs> and, and Virginia Tech and Louisville, do they deserve to be punished for receiving these plays? Do they deserve to be punished? I'm, I, and I don't I care. Don't, You're not going to hurt my feelings. I Louisville don't think had so. prostitutes on their on their campus for <laughs> basketball. I know that our athletic department is not saints. Okay, so you're not going to hurt my feelings. I, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like I feel like I feel like they should because they should uh, be punished. Okay, they should be punished because uh, you know I feel like even though this guy, you know, extended. Uh, even though he reached out to these programs and and said, "Hey, man, I might have information that'll be beneficial towards, you know, your success against this opponent here and there. You know, I might have such and such for you. I might have playbooks for you. I might have, you know, tendencies, coaching tendencies. Not matter. As a matter of fact, I don't have tendencies and I don't have, you know, hints. I have the exact freaking plays. Oh, that okay, these guys so that's run. a big deal. You know, that is a big deal. I have the exact plays that they run. Does that guy deserve to go to prison? Who hey, gave those plays away? And you get to spend a lot more time with your family as opposed to game planning. Oh, okay. So here, here, here it is. That individual who gave the plays away, I feel like he's he's got to be blackballed he's, from he's totally, the industry, right? He's t- he's got to he's got to be blackballed from the industry from totally covering. Uh, and I understand he's a, he's a radio host now. From totally covering co- collegiate football or sports, period. You know, because I, I, I'm on, I believe, I believe there's a level. That. I believe there's a level of integrity that you must uphold uh, when it comes to to athletics. What about Spygate though? That happened, and Spy- Bill Belichick still has a job. Bill Belichick, you know, I, you know, there is there is some sort of. If under- you're Bill Belichick, you can do it, but not if you're this guy. No one's ever heard thing. of. Him. Okay, that's the thing. <laughs> I I feel like, you know, and it's it's just. It's beyond me, and it's beyond you. I feel. I just feel like, you know, some crimes are more punishable than others, and and it all has to do with the type of name you've established for yourself. You know, I feel like, you know, Criminal A, and who is less popular, who is more popular, is gonna get less of a sentence, or or maybe even no sentence, and you know, in as opposed to if Criminal B, uh, uh. Engages in criminal behaviors. Okay, you know, so I feel like, I, you know, I just think that it's unfair. You know, I feel like whatever legacy that these individuals have, you know, the one time that you cheat, you know, because obviously the cheating is 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 an attempt to try to to try to establish that legacy or 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 pass somebody in terms of in terms of legacy, and it's not fair to the individuals who. Who kind of have established that legacy, and they've done it the right way. Yes, you know they've done it the right way. The uh, the the John Woodens of the world. Yeah, you know those are absolutely. Or even the the, the coach, even you know someone like Nick Saban. Nick who, Saban, he, he 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 gets a lot of flack, and he does absolutely. admittedly. He does it the right way. So that's going to transition into my next topic right. here, Tom Bay. We've right. only got about. Ten minutes left, okay? Right, right. You're a college football guy. You know it inside and out much yes, better sir. than I do. Yes, sir. Especially being from a position of the fullback, which, once again, I find very intriguing. Mm. Um, actually, I'll ask on that. Is the fullback, I, I was told for the longest time, it's kind of a, a dying position. It is. And there's has there been a recent resurgence? You know, 
of the fullback Re- position recently of in the NFL I, or what about in college? College, it's it's almost kind of. Do most teams use a fullback? The, it's, it seems Louisville's the, always got a fullback at the collegiate level. I do believe that yeah, uh, a lot of collegiate teams kind of honor having that fullback. And but you know, I wouldn't say that. Uh, there is a, a, a huge differential between uh, the college game and, and the National Football League in terms of when it is they need to use a fullback, you know, when it is they need to go to, to that 21 personnel. I feel like... 20, when, 21 personnel, what is that? 21 personnel, uh, that's just... A, I a, formation? A, a series of numbers indicating how many tight ends and how many uh, running backs you have in a game. So if I, if I call 21 out. And that requires you know, a fullback. And yeah, and it's always minus, minus, uh, it's always minus, uh, uh, minus. So if I, it's, uh, let me figure this out. It's 21 personnel, it's two running backs and one tight end. Okay. So you know that if I have one tight end in the game and two running backs, uh, I could have a total of up to how many wide receivers in the game? Five, right? Oh, yeah. So if I call 21. With five offense, with. Um, there you go. If I call 21. Offensive, how many offensive linemen? So if I call 21, five offensive linemen, those automatically count. You have to have offensive linemen on the yes. field. So here's how the numbers work. If I call 21 personnel, you understand that there's two plus one. All right? Two running backs, one tight end. Okay. And I stated that you can have up to five wide receivers in the game. Okay? So if I have 21 personnel called. And you understand that on the field right now, I've caught two plus one. Okay. All right. Given that two are running backs, you automatically subtract that. Okay. And I see. one okay. of the receivers in the game is a tight end. So potentially, how many other receivers can you have in the game? Okay. Two. So that's, that's how you X. determine how many that's receivers. That's your X and your Z. Absolutely. Whereas if I called 11 personnel, okay. one of them is a running back. One of them is a tight end, three receivers in the game. A lot of a lot of uh, fullbacks these days are kind of hybrid tight ends also. H-backs. That's okay. What, that's what they call them. And, in fact— uh, Did you ever play tight end? And, in fact, you know, aside from my coach, aside from my offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, and, you know, great guy, you know, aside from him <laughs> kind of having a brain fart and, and calling a double tight end set while it's 21 personnel— you know, two running backs and one tight end. Okay. Yes, I've had to line up at tight end several You've times. You've had to, but yeah, it, that's not block, your ideal position. Block, but that's not my ideal position. I'm, you, five, I'm five, ten and a half. Okay. And uh, it's not ideal, and in fact, that that, that is what, uh, uh, you know, my, my pro day year, you know, we had Chandler Jones, thank God, and we were able to attract uh, 32 NFL scouts to our pro day, and that was, for, that was one of the biggest, biggest, biggest issues stated was, you know, my height and, and, Were you uh, close to getting on uh, maybe a practice squad or anything? Oh, like absolutely. It? Uh, my agent uh, was close to working deals out with the Chargers. and uh, Chargers and, are probably uh, your favorite team growing up, uh, right? Uh, being that I'm from San Diego, absolutely. Okay, yeah, that if makes sense. If I landed there, that would have been a great opportunity. Okay, you know, so, so I, I want to ask your opinion on the um, – you follow college football. Yeah. Um, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl is December 31st at 3 p.m., Washington against Alabama. (laughs) Number four against number one. How did I know you would ask me this, man? (laughs) Okay. Does Washington have a chance? They do. Do, They do. Okay, why? Here's here's why I believe uh, Washington has a chance. I believe Washington has a chance due to the simple fact that Alabama's secondary uh, has been devastated by injuries. Uh, Okay. 
here uh, recently. Uh, they will be without the starting uh, safety, uh, starting free safety. I but you know their backups are studs too. Yeah, their backups are studs. <laughs> However, here's what here's here's my biggest uh, uh, thing. You know, being that mo a lot of teams they tried to come to Alabama. Okay. You know, with a physical uh, sense of 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 mind, and there's nothing wrong with that. However, the physical sense of mind is always predicated towards establishing a running game, running the football against Alabama. I don't think you will be successful doing that if you're a Pac-12 team. I mean, or you're not going to be able to run the ball. You're not. Jake Browning, the, the quarterback Jake, of Washington. That kid is he, that kid is spectacular. Spectacular. Okay, so he's be, spectacular. Will he be able to exploit? He will. The lack of a, uh, the the experience in the secondary. I think that he. Uh, you but, know, but they'll be one dimensional. So you know the thing. It, the thing about this is that they're not more so. They're not one dimensional because they run. Uh, they run what's called uh, sort of an RPO offense, which is. A run-pass option offense, and Jake Browning is probably the best in the nation in terms of in terms of making the right decision when it comes to to uh, their RPOs. He knows when to hand the ball off, and he knows when to keep the ball and and, and make a throw downfield. I do believe that he's probably the best signal caller amongst all four quarterbacks who are in the college football playoff at the moment. Uh, They've got a couple legit running backs. They've got Gaskin they and Coleman. They do. Absolutely. Gaskin with 10 rushing touchdowns, uh, over 1,300 yards, and Coleman with seven rushing touchdowns right. uh, for 836 yards. So they've got right. – you're right. And they've got a balanced I – I, I, I misspoke. I didn't mean to say that they're one-dimensional. What I meant right. to say is right. if I'm the defensive coordinator – for Alabama, I don't think it's Kirby Smart anymore. He went somewhere. No, but, he left. Okay, whoever it is. Yeah. If I'm the defensive coordinator for Alabama, I know that our secondary is 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 depleted, and I'm thinking Jake Browning, having the the skills that he has, is going to look to exploit that. Right. So I'm going to be defending. I'm going to be rushing the passer at all costs, and I'm going to be trying to make up for that. You know, it's uh. You know, I've watched Washington all year uh, just shred guys apart, you know, and, and, and uh, it wasn't until that, that USC game that I that I finally saw that, hey, man, maybe these guys maybe these guys can be exploited. Maybe Jake Browning can be exploited. However, uh, if you watch that game, you know, a lot of a lot of those a lot of those pass attempts a lot of those 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 targeted passes hit guys on the numbers. You know, it was more so guys bobbling passes and 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 and, and uh, uh, causing turnovers uh, for for the University of Washington. I believe that is a game they should have won. And you know, it's 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 quite. Here's the thing: is that Alabama could be in trouble if, uh, depending on what type of mindset these players approach this game with. On paper, I do believe Alabama looks like the better team. They okay. have a top ten, uh, a top five defense, probably the best in the country mm-hmm. in terms of uh, a scoring defense. Uh, however, when you look at 
Washington, they're not so far behind. Okay. Their defense is also Because uh, a lot stellar. of a lot of analysts are saying historically this Alabama team's one of the best teams, maybe maybe the best team in the past five years. Right. Stuff like that. Right. You hear a lot of uh, rhetoric that, you know, I, it's difficult to tell, but, and this will be an opportunity on a, a neutral field absolutely. to see exactly what this Alabama team's absolutely. made of. Absolutely. And let's not forget, Les Miles just accepted the, the head coaching job. At, you mean Kiffin. Or uh, Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Just accepted the head coaching job over at uh, Florida Atlantic. Which is interesting. So, That's, it, it I, is, we could keep going with college is, football talk. It, it, Didn't it, Schnellenberger build that program? Yes, sir. Okay. It is interesting. However, how much of a distraction will that be to the Alabama football program? Well, you I mean, know, how what, much what is, is, of, is is Lane Kiffin's wife a distraction? Absolutely. How much is his entire life a distraction? <laughs> right? <laughs> Lane Kiffin has to be about the most polarizing person, right? Am right. I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Uh, at I all. mean, that guy is a walking. But I have a feeling. I have a feeling right. that they've got that under control there. Am I wrong? Uh, if that, any that program until, can handle that. that, that is until Nick Saban discovers that Lane Kiffin is offering. Some of the assistance positions. Yeah, okay. At Florida Atlantic. So, 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 who also, knows what kind of dynamics are going knows? on within that locker room? Yeah, is who, what you're saying. Who knows? But I don't believe that that's what it's going to take uh, for Washington to be able to compete with the, with this team. Okay. I don't believe that. Here's the thing: Oregon versus SEC teams, and I'm looking at Pac-12 versus SEC. In the past. SEC, in the past, Pac-12, SEC. Just didn't favor too well. However, when you take a look at here's the thing, people criticize Oregon for not having much success against SEC teams. However, if you take a look at that Auburn game, even though Oregon struggled a little bit in the red zone, they were in that game, and it took a uh, former running back at Louisville, uh, M- Michael Dyer. It took a Michael oh, Dyer yeah, 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 yeah. rolling. He was the MV- top of, MVP yeah. of that game, wasn't it? It took Michael Dyer rolling over a, on top of a, 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 a Oregon defender, getting up and running for a twenty-yard touchdown run or twenty-five-yard touchdown run for Auburn to win that game. So it took some theatrics. Exactly. You know, you're the perfect Absolutely. college football analyst, Tom Bay, because not only do you play on the east side of the country, right? But you clearly still have your West Coast ties. Oh yeah, and you're absolutely. not gonna you're not gonna ignore absolutely. the Pac-12. There it is. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sleep on the Pac-12. You're not, and even though you're certainly not. You didn't Bill play O'Brien, there. Uh, not Bill O'Brien, but uh, uh, former former Boise State coach uh, at Washington now. What is his name? Gosh, he's the hottest commodity, or what he's the, he's the hottest. Um, I'll bring it up here. Well, but what about him? Keep going. I, I got it. I believe. He'll he will have it. He will have that team prepared. Chris Peterson. Chris Peterson will have that team prepared and ready to go. Yes. And, no, he, uh, he's a legitimate coach. You know, It'll be interesting. Before we we've got just about a minute left. Yeah. Okay. So sorry to interrupt you. We've also You're got good. the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. On December thirty first, later Ooh, that evening, seven Ohio p.m. State, Who's going to win? Ohio State or Clemson? <laughs> in, in, in twenty seconds. I think. Uh, you know, I, I'm going with Deshaun Watson here. Okay. You're going to err I've on the side to. of the experience. Absolutely. If there's anybody who's got experience. Now, keep in mind, JT Barrett was on the roster. He, right. he was actually the quarterback, right? So he's yep. a very experienced also. Yep. So what a matchup of two ex- very experienced you know, here, quarterbacks. Here, here's the thing. Uh, I believe that. But, but you got to say Watson's better. Deshaun Watson, uh, absolutely. If it wasn't for uh, uh, Alabama's, Alabama's uh, special, very special, special performance on special teams, Deshaun, Watson's win- Deshaun Watson wins the national championship. 
Okay. And uh, he'll, he'll have an opportunity I to. I believe to, he'll have an opportunity to redeem himself. To yeah. redeem himself. Absolutely. Tom Bay Jose, we're going to get you back in here very soon. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Um, once again, Tom Bay Jose, former Syracuse fullback, all sorts of insight into the world of college football. We appreciate you joining us this morning. Be sure to stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the weekend sports buzz. Yes, sir. Let me tell you, baby. Microphone check. All right. Let me see something here. Terry? Yo. All right. Alex? Yo. Lance? No. <laughs> I can't hear you. You cannot? Uh-huh. All right. Give me a minute. I can hear him. I can hear Alex? I can hear
All right, Lance, you cannot hear me. Lance, you can't hear me. You cannot. What's that, Terry? You still can. Alex, you cannot. No, th- th- okay. Can, there you go. Now we hear you. Can you yeah. guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so we're all good. It's yeah. lit. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. I can yeah. hear I need them in the morning to build me up all through the day. I need them in the evening 
Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. I'm Kelly Patrick, coming at you as I do every Sunday morning from 9 to 11, talking all things in the world of sports. Covering a lot this morning. We're in the heart of college basketball, early season. I know that in this region, everybody's always wanting to talk college basketball as much as possible. Obviously, many national college football stories being that December 31st, we get the two bowl games that will determine the national championship game. We appreciate our man Tombe Kose coming in, former Syracuse fullback, um, and analyzing a lot of the national college football stories and the local, I got to acknowledge, the local Wakey Leaks scandal and all his insight on that. Great stuff. I want to encourage our listeners to give us a call on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, which is once again... 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now where we have our man, The Truth, is on the line with us. How are you this morning, Truth? Um, I feel great. Butler knocked me around and took care of business yesterday, just lost, and I'm ready to move on. Yeah, what about that, Truth? That was a big win for Butler, and they're led by a guy who's from Louisville. Well, you know what's so sad about that? Uh, we had a chance, Indiana had a chance to put him in some candy apple red. Tom Cream would never go for him. Uh, I don't know why. I, I always wanted him to play for IU for candy apple red pants because he played on uh, Indiana League basketball all-star team. So he, he got connected with IU players because he hang out with them. So I, don't, I didn't understand why Tom Cream didn't offer him a scholarship or ask him to walk on because he could have been the small, starting small forward this year for us. Yeah, and he could probably be playing for Louisville, too, or many other programs across the country. It's very, very intriguing how Butler has embraced that role as the underdog. They'll take the the guys who aren't recruited by other big programs, even after Brad Brad Stevens has left, and they're still doing the same old thing. The same old beat, the same old beat going on. I got a question to ask you about a college football team. What happened to Houston uh, College? I mean... Here they upset Louisville, and then they go to a bowl game and get knocked off. Yeah, yeah that's a good, good question. You know, they're, they're, uh, they embody the mid-major in 2016 going into 2017. They've got all the talent in the world. That number 10, the defensive tackle, I forget his name right now. I'll bring it up. Um, but they, they've got all the talent in the world. Obviously, Greg Ward Jr., and then also um, – What's his name? Ed Oliver. But you're right. They, they, they laid an egg, and they're losing Tom Herman, obviously. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Is, is Houston a position or a head coaching job you would want if you were a free agent head coach? I, here's what I look at, uh, like schools, like U of L and like IU and Kentucky. It seems like we can win one big game, but when the, it seems like if the Pumas record's 5-5, five five, we play down to them. It seems like we don't uh, bring that whole. Uh, if you're going to be number one, be number one. Destroy teams, and I think that that's what's lacking with UBL. That's what's lacking with Kentucky, and that's what's lacking with IU uh, football program. We can play teams real good, and then we play people like uh, uh, White Force who ain't got none, and they beat us. Yeah. But then we play so- we play somebody like Michigan that play them real tight. I don't understand. You just can't. I, I like something what Tom Crean said to uh, to his players yesterday, who the ones said they want going to the NBA. You got to bring it every night. 
there's no layoff in uh, playing major league sports. If you're going to be good, be good. But it doesn't matter who you play playing against. If you're great, you're great. You're going to stand on the weak team and on the strong team. It's just like this program. When me and you talk, everybody listens because they know me and you two strong guys. Can't nobody do it like me and you can. <laughs> you like slice bread. Yes, know? sir. What, what, what's the, the response for this Indiana team going to be, Truth? That was a tough oh, loss. In-state, I guess we'll say in-state rival, you know, Butler beat them. And I, I don't see Indiana has much of a test until really they play December 31st at 12.30 p.m. against Louisville. Oh. What's going to happen to Tom Crean and this Indiana Hoosiers basketball team? You know what I like about this team? And, I, and everybody probably booed me. All the Hoosier nations probably hate all me of what I'm getting ready to say. This is the best team Tom Crean ever had up there. <laughs> well, okay, why? Uh, you why, laughing now? I'm laughing, yeah. and, and I'm sorry. Uh, uh, sorry to laugh at, I, at it, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm why gonna do you say that, why. Truth? I'm going to tell you the reason why. Tom Crean, all these players been hurt all season. While they did, we ha- they have not had no workouts. They ain't been there. But one thing I like about this team, we got size and they do play defense. Yesterday was the first time we didn't stop the ball dribble, and and our three pointers gonna come. We know Indiana can shoot, but I like I like this team. I, I think this team played more together, but we just got. It's little stuff you got to clean up to get people playing together. Because we lost Yogi, we lost Troy Wynn, we lost a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And this is and and we still in the top ten, top fifteen. And people didn't uh, think Indiana gonna be here. We done knocked off two ranked school already, and things gonna get better for Indiana. I'll tell you what. This don't be surprised. I say this. Indiana going to Final Four. If Indiana, if Indiana don't go to Final Four, I will wear a UK jersey for a year. Okay. And a little jersey for a year. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, this, this ain't no hype, but it's just real. Okay. It's real. It's real because, you know, come on, we had, we had eight guys had surgery last year, and, they, and we ain't had a full practice yet with them. And uh, we got still got some little injury, we, but we still and there's no excuse losing to Butler. There's no excuse losing to that or Fort Wayne. It's still but, early in the season, though. I'll admit that. It, 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 in college basketball, you can lose early and you can recover. They've got talent. They've got Thomas Bryant, Robert Johnson, yeah. Blackman. You know, obviously, you Hoosiers have talent. Truth. All right, I'm gonna tell you. I hate to say this. That guy from Kentucky yesterday put on one degree. He looked like <laughs> Pistol Pete yesterday. I thought Pistol Pete, I thought Pistol Pete, the raise up from the grave when he was shooting yesterday. I'm gonna give him credit. That guy can shoot. I mean, yeah. Was, anybody, have, anybody who says Malik Monk is not an elite college basketball player this morning is is a little off the rocker. Well, he he showed up. He shined last night. So you can't. We can't. We, that's one thing. If you're good, you're good. You're not. You're not. But we're gonna see what he's gonna do during the season. You know, Calipari got we can't take a player. Calipari keeps a good guard. But you know, down the road when it comes to March time and they put them in the same bracket at the Indiana University and we'll send them home. That's what we do. Thank you very you much for a- the call, Truth. We appreciate you every week. Thank you. Good stuff there from our man the truth. Uh bringing it. No surprise. He's pro Indiana. He he thinks he says if the Hoosiers don't make it to the final four this year. He'll wear a Kentucky jersey for a year and then a Louisville jersey for a year. Very bold 
statement, really. We'll have to wait and see how that pans out for him. We're joined in studio by three MMA fighters locally. We're very honored to have Terry Colter. How, how are you, Terry? Yo, what's up, man? I'm good. Um, Did I butcher your last name? No, you hit it. Perfectly. Okay. Polter. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is your first time being in with us, I believe. Uh, yeah, I did a call in once before. Okay, you did. All right. We, we appreciate you joining us. Before we get to the, the two veterans of the show, Alex and Lance, tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself. What, you have an upcoming fight scheduled. Uh, yeah, February 4th, I'm fighting in Shepherdsville. Okay, uh, on the Hard Rock Show. Yeah, it's my hometown. I grew up there. Uh, it's usually a pretty big fan base. We got a 135 title fight against uh, Justin Thompson from Hybrid MMA. Okay. Uh, he's uh, 3-0. and um, Don't know much about him. He's young in the sport. Uh, I seem to be getting a lot of these guys lately, a lot of these young up-and-coming guys. But uh, it's good. It's a good test. Um, we'll see how it goes. Now, your, your current record says, is is that right? 7-3, and three, so you've been very active. Uh, I, is, wouldn't is say, that up- I wouldn't say very active, but yeah, 7-3. Uh, well, is this right? You're 24 years old. Uh, yes. Okay. Isn't it funny how in, in 2016 I can just type in your name and all of a sudden I know exactly. You were born in, in June of 92. Yes. Okay. Seven and three. Um, what, what is your background? Do you wrestle in high school? What did you do? Tell, uh, tell us about yourself. You, yes. You're from Shepherdsville. I started wrestling uh, my freshman year. Um, okay. Some uh, A freak accident happened. I got hit by a car freshman year. So oh my God. that ended my wrestling season. I wrestled uh, sophomore and junior year before I quit the wrestling team my senior year. I uh, played football all throughout high school. Um, I got in a lot of trouble fighting, uh, so when I graduated high school, it only seemed logical to get into MMA. Okay. Uh, I, liked, I liked watching the UFC. I was big into fighting. Uh, the Fergusons was putting on their first show in Spencer County. I grew up watching them fight locally. Um one of my friends, I uh, was real good friends with him, and uh, he called me up and was like, hey, man, you know, the Fergusons are putting on a fight. Uh, I'm thinking about doing it. You want to do it? And I said, heck, yeah, let's go. So uh, no training experience or anything. I signed up for my first fight. Uh, the guy ended up pulling out. Um, not even a month later, I take my first fight for Hard Rock. Still no training experience or anything. And that was in 2010? Yes. Uh, wow. November 2010, right after graduation. Uh, I was fresh 18-year-old kid, no no training, no nothing. But you knew you were down for fighting. <clears throat> yeah, I, I had the heart and the ability. Um, you know, I just didn't have the skill set yet. And uh, so I come in, I take my first fight, I win it, and then uh, right after that I hooked up with the guys at Bad Dog. And uh, I was with them guys for about three years of my career and got a lot of good training there, a lot of good training partners, a lot of guys I still train with, uh, um Rock Cruz, Alex Hacker, Lance Lawrence was at Bad Dog with us for a little bit. Um, that's where I, you know, I started. So uh, I try to stay with these guys everywhere I go. And uh, the good news is, is this morning we've got the rest of the show to devote to local MMA and local fights and you three guys. So Terry, we're going to get back to you. Thank you very right. much. We appreciate you joining us this morning. I'll move on to Alex. How are you? Wel- welcome back. What's up? <laughs> we appreciate you coming back. Here on the weekend sports buzz, I think this is the third time something like that that we've Sir, had. Glad to be here. Yeah, uh, tell us about your upcoming fight. Uh, well, you had an injury first off. You yeah, had, you had a recent injury, <laughs> so, so I don't know actually. And I'm I'm asking blind. When is your your upcoming fight? Uh, it's February fourth. Lance, Terry, and I are all, all three all on the same card. Hard yes, Rock. sir. I, I love it. That makes it easy for me. Yes, sir. We're all three going to be fighting February fourth. Uh, 
Terry's wow. fighting for a title, and I'm fighting for a title, and uh, Lance is fighting pro. I'm fighting a uh, a dude from Tennessee. Okay. He's I don't know. He's gonna try to take me down and what, be lame. I know. I'm gonna go through some of the same stuff I've went through you, with you on the past. Yeah. What, what's your strength as a fighter? What, what would you you grow up in the wrestling team? Yeah, I grew up wrestling, but I don't try to wrestle as much anymore when I fight now. I just try to knock everybody out. Okay. So yeah. a lot of our listeners are not necessarily even MMA fans. You know, we were just talking college football and college basketball. Yes, sir. But one thing that I've found is universal is even if, if sports fans or, or men don't admit to it, they like watching a fight. Oh, yeah. Um, so translate your style. You said you, you try to avoid going to the ground. Yes, sir. Which... That's probably a, a good game plan for anybody. Is that right? It's normally a good game plan uh, uh, regardless. You don't want to just pull, jump up and hop on the ground and say, let's let's grapple necessarily. Yeah, unless, you? you're, unless you're Terry or Lance. <laughs> <laughs> why? Is that you guys' strengths? Well, they don't have no weaknesses, neither uh, okay. one of them. So, so why would they, they prefer to go to the ground? Because you go to the ground with Terry or Lance, you're getting choked out and 15 seconds. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm not choking people out in 15 seconds. You're not? No, I'm knocking people out in 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, with your fist or with, with kicking? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah. So you guys train, and we got to uh, re- reference that over to Rock Cruz. Yes, sir. Is that right? Yes, sir. And am, June. Am I, am I exaggerating? Who else deserves credit for all you guys' striking? Rock and June. Okay. Yep. Rock and Junie Millar. Very nice. All right. Now, uh, percentage-wise, I know you guys are all three very serious athletes. You guys probably don't do a bunch of necessarily partying. You, you train, you do grappling, uh, so-and-so day. Other days you'll do some Muay Thai kickboxing training, yes, stuff sir. like that. Percentage-wise, there's probably at least a little difference between what you guys devote to each uh, specific part of mixed martial arts. Alex, what's your percentage breakdown? What, what percentage do you, do you devote to grappling? Uh, I'd say... Probably 30% grappling and a good 50% striking. Okay. And then... What other, what other percent am I missing there? 20% conditioning. Okay, conditioning. You running. Can't, can't overlook conditioning. No. But I got to run more. That's I'm really trying to focus on being able to throw 150, 200 punches in one round for this next fight. So we're really getting after it on the tracks. I've, I've got your information in front of me also, Alex. Um you're you're 25. Yes, sir. Your your record is five and two. Is that right? Yes, sir. Man, this these these websites are amazing. They're updated yeah. up to up to speed on everything. Uh, so we appreciate you coming in once again, Alex. We're gonna move on to Lance. We call you. Should I say the tornado? Uh, you can call me whatever you want. <laughs> can you hear me? Yes, sir. Lance? Okay. We appreciate you coming in, Lance Lawrence. I've actually had the honor of of training a little bit. Trying to roll with you at Gracie of Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky recently. So that's been a really cool experience, Lance. It's been an honor to see you on the mats and get beat up by you a few times. Yeah, that's real fun over there. Those guys are great. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You're the only professional here right now. Uh, as of right now. As of right now. is it, Are you alluding to one of these guys going pro? I'm expecting both of them pro by the end of 2017. Here, sure. just one moment. I'm going to come in there and work on your mic just a moment. Uh, Alex and Terry, can you guys tell us a little bit more about yourselves for just a moment? I'm going to yes, work sir. something out here. Go ahead, Terry. Uh, referring back to Lance talking about the pro thing by 2017, I think we'll both be pro by the end of 2017. Yeah. Uh, 
I know hackers looking to go pro within the next couple fights. Yeah, I'll probably fight uh, one or two times more and then turn pro. Uh, we got some good contract offers from King of the Cage in Las Vegas and everything. Yeah, and uh, shout out to the wife. I just found out I'm having a kid about a month ago. Did so you really? Like to make the pro debut before the baby gets here. So yeah, that would be awesome. We know that's coming before the end of 2017. Awesome. First child? Uh, yes. Very cool. Congratulations. Congratulations. I think we've got Lance's microphone worked out there. Lance, can you hear me? Yeah, it's sounding a lot better. Okay, great. Sorry about that. Um, so once again, Lance, you, you're, you're a professional fighter. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll get to Terry on his percentages. What's your percentage breakdown? I said I, I've, I've gotten thrown around by you a little bit in a nice way, not to say you're, you're a jerk or anything, but I've got to roll with you on the ground, and I, I mean, you're a legitimate purple belt or maybe even beyond that if, if we're being accurate as far as grappling. What percentage breakdown does your training consist of, Lance? I mean, I've been doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu longer than I've been doing any other okay. discipline. But okay. So that's your strength? Yes. I would uh, call that my base. Okay. But as of now, my training consists of not leaving any holes in my game. Okay. Focusing on everything, trying to become a complete mixed martial artist. Is it a three-pronged system that we described earlier? There's grappling... There's grappling, striking, and conditioning. Striking, those three. Conditioning, mixing it all together is very essential too. And, okay. You know, just your MMA, like cage work. Just don't leave any holes in your game. Um, obviously, you guys have said you work with Rock Cruz and Junie with with the the, the striking. Anybody else we're leaving out there as far um, as helps you out with the, the no, stand up? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I get a lot. I get a lot of help. In the city of Louisville, I mean, I, f I feel like the whole city supports me sometimes. Just, uh, I train at a lot of different gyms now. I train uh, with House of Warrior with Abdullah Abinov. He's okay. a phenomenal boxing coach, one of the best in the state by far. And then I'm over at Gracie Jiu-Jitsu now getting schooled by Scott Smith and all the high-level guys there daily. They're always helping me improve my game. I've been there probably three, three months, and uh, they've been helping me a lot lately. And then I got uh, Junie Millar. He's my conditioning coach and my fight coach. He's my head coach. Will he be co in your corner? Yes, he will be in my corner in between rounds maybe. Okay. And I've been working with the Fergusons uh, lately. And I, I used to work with them back in the day, back in uh, my early amateur fights. And uh, they, they supply a really good base for me, and they're really educated. They've been Jacksons. They've been on the Ultimate Fighter. So I'll have them in my corner this fight as well, and I'm happy to have them. Very cool. Yeah, I've, that's one thing I've picked up on. Once again, I, I've been a boxing fan. For those of our listeners who don't know, I've been a boxing fan basically since I was little. But to be a boxing fan, you don't have to know much. You're just like, yeah, I like Mike Tyson knocking people out. That's cool. I'll, I'll watch that. I watched that with my dad a lot, and I was like, yeah, I like boxing. And then I watched a lot of Floyd fights and stuff like that over the years. But I didn't really get into MMA until just a few years ago. I actually started going to some local shows. And for those of our listeners who don't know Hard Rock or, you know, Bluegrass MMA or any of the local promotions, I know Bluegrass doesn't seem to be as active lately. Absolute action. Absolute action. I think uh, they're a uh, premier MMA now. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. absolute action in what? Premier P MMA. Patel. Is that, is that who it is, Patel? But regardless, a premier now. Not, not absolute action. So regardless, my point is this. Any of our listeners who are sports fans and have not been to a local MMA event, it is 
arguably the best sporting event you can go to. And what I mean by that is it's normally in a, a smaller venue, maybe a high school gym or, or a, 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 what is it, the Paraconvention para- para- Center. The convention center. Okay, they serve alcohol. <laughs> it's got everybody's family and friends. And it's just the craziest stuff you've ever seen. It it's almost like a, a fight club movie, uh, underground little, there's people yeah. screaming, old women screaming, rip his head off. And it's just the crazy, <laughs> craziest stuff you can imagine. It is abs- There's ring entrance music, and once again, there's people drinking. And ring girls. Just, yeah, ring girls, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's as throwback of an uh, environment to, I don't know what, but just as cool of a, a setup as I can imagine. Oh. And you've got a great seat because it's not that big. Right. It's like going to a, a really small venue to see a concert for a band that you love, and you just have a great seat, and the sound's great. I mean, it's yep. just perfect. And most people know each other. I've never had anyone go to any of the hard rock fights and say they didn't have a great time and they yeah. don't want to come back for yeah. more. Oh, yeah. Every single person's like, that was awesome. I want to go to the next one. When is it? <clears throat> the February one is also definitely one you don't want to miss. I mean, the eight-year anniversary. The, the anniversary. The anniversary yep. shows he always puts on the best cards. I mean, it's a yep. it's a it's a sellout every time, standing room only. Aside from that, Terry Coulter uh, habitually sells out Shepherdsville. <laughs> okay, that's your your stomping grounds, right? Yeah, I grew up there. Uh, you have? Would there be any older women yelling stuff like "rip his head off"? Uh, you know, I, I I grew up idolizing Joe Miani. Uh, he was a local guy. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's from Tennessee. And uh, I fought Michael Ricketts, and it was the first fight I ever had in Shepherdsville. And uh, Rock, uh, Ricketts is a stud. If anybody don't know him, he's on the pro circuit now. He's uh, I believe he's like five and two or six and two. Uh, he just fought Adam Fritz in in a tough war and beat Fritz. So Ricketts is a tough opponent. But uh, I'm fighting Michael Ricketts, and uh, it. I go back and watch the video, and I hear Joe Miani's mom in the background, <laughs> and she's yelling, "Punch him in the ear hole!" Punch him. <laughs> she's screaming it repeatedly, and uh, so yeah, there, there's definitely old women that scream there. You know what's uh, funny? Miani, is- Miani was pushing forty at the time, so we didn't script that. We certainly didn't script that. No, but not at the all. The reason I'm saying that is there's legitimately old women sometimes being the most vocal in the crowd. They're maybe not even drinking. I don't know. But there's also people drinking. And it's just the coolest scene that, I mean, and, and it's a bunch of cool people. I'm not saying that you're going to get, you know, beat up if you go to it. Oh, no. It's not like a crazy no. uh, fight's breaking out everywhere. But it, it's as organic <laughs> of a sporting event as I've seen. They're not necessarily even sports fans. They're kind of people who are supporting their local guy. And if there's such thing as a, a an organic um, event – I would argue this is it. So this is the eight-year anniversary for Hard Rock. You are all three fighting on the card. Who- Selling tickets now. Selling tickets now. How would our listeners go about supporting you three? Uh, get with us. Um, if you want to show up to support the Tornado, get with Lance. He'll be yep. selling tickets. Uh, Alex will be selling tickets. I'll have tickets. You can stop by. Anybody that wants to buy tickets from me, buy them from Lance. Really? Yeah. Okay. You can uh, you can buy them from me. Um, they'll also be for sale at my gym, Area Five Hundred Two. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. Terry, let's go back to you. Give give shout outs. I know our, our man Phil Perkins been yeah. in many times. Great uh, guy. Um, w- 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 Phil has to be your coach, right? He'll, yeah, yeah, he'll be in the corner uh, for you. Phil, Phil's my head coach. Uh, he'll be in the corner. Um, Rock Cruz. Um, I don't think he's uh, cornering MMA fights anymore, which is a tragedy. Because um, he's been in my corner, I think, since my third amateur fight. Yeah, I've uh, went to M- local MMA fights, maybe even Hard Rock, where where I look over and I actually judged 
uh, a little bit, and I'd look over, and Rock was cornering every fight for oh, somebody. Yeah. Of Rock, um, so he's maybe Rock's one of the more legend. one of the more experienced corner men yeah. it, here locally for the the organic local fight scene. Ninety yeah. percent of the people at a Hard Rock show, if you see Rock Cruz, you know who he is. Exactly, he, he's and he's a, a recognizable face. Doesn't he have a toothpick in his mouth sometimes? Uh, yeah, he's yeah. one. He's a loser. <laughs> 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 All right, so Terry is obviously Phil Perkins. Who yeah. else you train with? Uh, I train with uh, James London. He's a, a pro flyweight. Um, he's looking for a fight. So any flyweights listening, possibly that uh, are looking for fights, James London. If you okay. want to make two hundred dollars to get beat up, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, James London will probably be in my corner this fight. It'll be uh, James London and Phil Perkins. Uh, I get a lot of work with James. He's uh, helping me a lot with uh, getting back to the basics in my stand up, my footwork and stuff. That's a lot of my game plan for this fight. Um, Phil, uh, he, he's a great coach, man. He, uh, he sees stuff that a lot of people don't see, um, especially in the cage. If, uh, if I don't see it, um, I date back to a prior fight in my career where Phil Perkins wasn't in my corner. And, uh, I was actually training with world champion, uh, Bruno Amorum and he was in my corner and, uh, I, I couldn't understand the jujitsu advice I was getting from Bruno, but I could hear Phil in the crowd telling me what to do. So that's when I made the switch to Area 502 and, and got Phil Perkins in my corner. Because, um, like I said, he's a great MMA coach. Um, from the whole aspect, the wrestling base, the jiu-jitsu, he's a brown belt under Mike O'Donnell and Carlson Gracie jiu-jitsu. So, uh, you know, it's it's a complete aspect over there. Uh, good training partners, great wrestling coaches. Um, Blake, once I hit Blake O'Neill. Yeah, Bla- right? Blake O'Neill is the wrestling coach. We get a lot of work from uh, Brody O'Leary now. Um once I make my pro jump, you get three cornermen then. So, of course, Blake will be in my corner uh, with my wrestling coach there. Um, it's, a, it's a shame amateurs can't have three now. Uh, in Kentucky now for title fights, amateurs get three cornermen. Oh, okay. Yep. okay, okay. And, and yours is a title fight, Alex? Both mine and Terry's. Oh, both yours. Okay, okay. so you yes, get sir. three. You do so, get yeah. three. So, yeah. Blake O'Neill will be in my corner this fight, so I'll be getting uh, good, wrestling, out, good wrestling um, advice from Blake O'Neill. And then uh, Phil Perkins with the MMA and James London is – He's my moral guy, man. Since James come in the gym, uh, he revamped my my uh, my drive for the sport. If a lot of people don't know me, um, I, I seem to fall off and take a year absence between fights and stuff. So uh, James, James and the guys at 502 have kind of picked me back up and got me back in, in my spirits. I, I know you say that you've had uh, you didn't have any fights, for example, in 2014. So you took all of 14 off. Yeah, I'm looking at your resume here, but since 2010, you're seven and Three. I mean that. That's pretty active. You got an upcoming fight. So I, all in all, I understand. You, you say you've taken some time off. You're, yeah. you're actually pretty well, uh, pretty uh, consistent over the past six years. A, a lot of it, I think, that to do is you'll see a lot of guys out here at the amateur level that'll just jump up and take a fight on a two week notice. Yeah. And uh, I did that a lot in the early part of my career because I wasn't cutting weight. Okay. And so now I like to piece together a full eight week camp. If I don't have an eight week camp, I try not to fight. And that's even at the amateur level. People look at it like, oh, it's amateur record. It don't matter. Yeah, but I, 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 I'm treating – I'm about to make the pro jump, so I'm treating my career like it's a pro career now. So I make sure I got the proper weight cut, the proper nutritionist. Uh, shout out Portion Prep, my nutritionist. Um, so I got the proper nutritionist, the proper cardio, the proper conditioning coaches, stand-up. I make sure I can devote eight weeks of my time to a training camp. If I can't, then I don't feel the need to fight. You think after this fight – Barring a victory, hopefully, or or maybe even a loss, you don't have to win in order to announce that you're going pro. What you think you're going to become pro after this? Uh, 
it's hard to say, but yeah, uh, I, I think this will be the last amateur fight um, of my career. I set a goal when I first come into fighting that I wanted to be pro by 21 or 10 fights. Um, I'm 24. I got 10 fights. I'm still not pro yet. Um, so, see, that's what I mean. Uh, all in all, pretty structured approach you've taken over the last six years. 21 or 10 fights. Yeah. Uh, now you're at 10 fights. You said you, you set that out at the beginning. That's pretty consistent. Yeah, so I want to I want to get this uh, th- this next fight. It'll be the 11th fight, and uh, we'll definitely be looking to make a, a pro debut somewhere around April or March. Okay. Um, Good I, stuff. Uh, but b- before we move on, I'm going to jump into some stuff with Alex. Yo. Um, Terry, I'm going to ask. Lance is the tornado. Do you have, you have a cool nickname like that? Uh, or no? I'm, if not, that's yeah, okay. Not ev- so not this every- is funny because not if, everybody uh, can do that. I understand. If you did, if you didn't follow my last fight, you kind of uh, you kind of didn't know. I fought a guy named Trey Wills, and uh, he goes around calling himself the Truth. Okay. And I, I like Trey. He's a good kid, and uh, he reminds me a lot of myself when I was young in the sport. But when I first come in, Rock Cruz had given me the nickname the Truth, and uh, so leading up to that fight. I really didn't say much about it. I just kind of let it go. And then coming out to the fight, they introduced him as the truth. And, of course, I wear my patented bandana out that says the truth across the front of it. And then after the fight, that's when I told him, I said, now you announce me as the truth. I won the fight, and I said, I'm the truth. Who would you say that to? Uh, I told, uh, I think, the ring Trey? announcer. Yeah, I told Trey, <laughs> okay. but the ring announcer. Josh uh, Weinel. Josh Weinel, or Jason Weinel. Or, yeah, I'm sorry. And so I told Jason, I said, you tell him I'm the truth. And, uh, that so should have that, been that's when should have been advertised it. as the battle for the truth or something. Uh, well, Winner gets to be the truth. Or? Yeah. Well, the the fight kind of got announced on short notice. Okay. And uh, so we didn't know uh, how it was going to plan out, but so uh, the truth. Yeah. That, that, that's Terry the truth. Okay, Terry the truth. We appreciate you coming in once again. Fortunately, we've still got about twenty minutes left. This is great, guys. I really appreciate you coming in and supporting Hard Rock's eighth year anniversary, Alex. What do you got for me? I got a lot. What do you need? Okay. What's your first off? What's your nickname? I don't have one. Frank the Tank. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have one. Everyone's trying to make something fit. You know, I'm not into it. I just try to. I don't. I I try to be myself. You've had a couple fights in Vegas. Two. Two. Twice in Las Vegas. Yes, sir. What was that experience like? And and in hindsight, okay, so you. I understand being a local fighter. You 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 fight locally, and then if if able to, it's an experience and different exposure, and you get to fight somebody you have really don't know much about. Probably right. you get to go to Vegas, the fight capital of the world, right? And experience something different. Tell our listeners what the difference is between fighting on a local show here in the Kentucky area, or even Ohio or Tennessee, right? Versus going to Vegas and fighting there. Uh, you know, being out here in Kentucky all week, all month leading up to a fight, you got everybody giving you a noogie and patting you on the back saying you're going to do so good and, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> and, then, and that's annoying to it in a way? I every To each their own. If you're focused, I can imagine. If yeah. you're focused, if you got your game face on and you're trying to do your own thing and people are saying, what time should I show up and stuff yep. like that, I can imagine that would be super annoying. You're thinking in your head, yeah. even the day of, people probably do that. Yep. Oh, the sales. day of is the worst. Last-minute ticket sales. There's yep. nothing worse than when somebody calls you the day of weigh-ins or the day before, and they're like, hey, man, you still got tickets. I turn my phone or they, off. Or they start saying stuff to you like, well, my, mo- my, 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 fr- my girlfriend's coming with me. I don't know if I should tell her. Yep. And you're like, hey, I'm... 
I'm worried about maybe getting yeah. choked or punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. <laughs> you guys are nodding your heads. Is yeah. that is that consistent? Abs- every time. Okay, so you're worried about um, every time. your safety and and and, yeah. and and winning a fight and all those different variables that go into that. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people who are dumping their personal uh, scheduling arrangements onto you. Exactly. So that's not existent when you fight in Vegas. Is nope. that right? Yep. Okay. Nope. It's carefree, easy living, you know, go out there and hear the music and see the sounds, but don't eat any of the food and uh, go through the motions. It was cool. I got to fight for King of the Cage, which is one of the bigger promotions in America. They've had a lot of UFC champions have fought for King of the Cage a lot. So it was kind of streamlining into a bigger promotion, I feel like, getting ready to go pro. And uh, it felt like, even though it was amateur, it just felt like business. It felt like taking care of what needed to be done. And, you know, I didn't get paid, but got a free trip to Las Vegas and free hotel and food and everything. And so it was actually a free Yes, sir. Cover? Okay, yes, that's sir. cool, right? Yes, sir. And uh, went out there, and the first time I was there, knocked a guy out and uh, got invited back and then choked a guy out and hopefully head out there again soon. Any uh, comment on whether you'd prefer to fight locally versus in Vegas in the future? And, 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 and I, I need to mix that in with a, a question about are you planning on going professional soon? Uh, yeah, the last time that I fought out in Las Vegas, I got offered a professional contract with King of the Cage. And uh, they're basically just saying whenever we're ready, like Phil and myself, whenever we think that I'm ready to go, they're going to be ready to accept us. And uh, I, I do prefer fighting out of town. I feel like, that's where most of the best competition is. You know, it's not very often that, you know, Lance has never lost a fight. Terry hasn't lost, and he's not going to lose to anybody in Kentucky. And, you know, I lost one fight in the last three years, and it was to somebody from Florida. You know, we're we're not trying to fight dudes from... Cans. Yeah, dudes from Berea, Kentucky that train in their garage. We're trying to prepare ourselves to do bigger, better things. We're trying to make it a sustained career for ourselves. But I think that's also a little bit of mixed feelings there because fighting in your hometown. You, yeah. Like, I feel like you would prefer to fight. Oh, yeah. If, if we could get the competition here, like not saying we don't have the competition here because we definitely do, but I'm saying if we could bring – if we could bring a bigger competition, you know what I'm saying? Like, if we could get the bigger fights here yeah. um, and, and bigger venues, then what he's saying is the Vegas venue is obviously bigger and it's a better experience. If we could bring that same atmosphere here, we would we would enjoy doing it here. Oh, yeah. It's no disrespect to the state of Kentucky at all. I love it here and I love everybody here. But as far as competition and fighters go, you know. Obviously, nobody who makes it to the pinnacle of the sport is like, nah. Yeah, I'm from Kansas. I only fight in Kansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a, lot exactly. of your guys, a lot of your guys are out west, um, Midwest to California is where the majority of your top talent is. A lot of go, a lot of those guys. That's where they move out to. That's where the bigger gyms are. So of course that's that's where they're going to go to to further their training and 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 go further. You know, um, you got Alpha Male out there in California. You got Greg Jackson's out in Midwest and New Mexico. So I mean, you got big gyms out there, and that's where these guys are 
are, you know, I feel like moving towards. So that's where you got to go to get the fights. They're not wanting to come here to fight us. We got to go yeah. there to fight them. Yeah, there's no incentive for big names to come to Kentucky. Greg, Greg Jackson's not going to bring a guy. He, he, he's not going to bring, a, you know, a Ben Henderson or, or somebody out here or Donald Cerrone to come out here and fight Lance Lawrence. You know, that that's we got to go out there to fight them guys. So yeah. um not saying Lance Lawrence is fighting Donald Cerrone anytime soon, but, I mean, that that's what we got to do. take it, though. We, yeah, we got to go out west <laughs> to get these fights, and, and that's I'm where the bigger promotions are because of these <laughs> fights. Um Okay. Well, let, let's move on to Lance. Lance, you are – 27? 23. <laughs> He's the youngest. Mixed martial arts has I, I, me uh, I didn't think you were that old. Online. You're 23. Okay, what the hell's up with that? I don't know. I really need to send them a message. Yeah. But it's cool. People can think I'm 27. Are you sure? I don't I hate to bring this up, but are you fabricating your age? Are you sure you're not 27, bro? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're of, of the three, you're the professional. Yes, sir. At this point. Sounds like the other two will be professionals at least By at the some end point. By 2017. Okay. No doubt. Damn. All right, so you're you're you haven't lost yet, so that's rare. Uh, losing in MMA is different. I said I grew up a boxing fan, and you know boxers a lot of times they'll they take opponents um, and they they make it to where they're thirty and zero and stuff like that. That's different. That's and, the goal. Yeah, that that's he's different. not gonna lose. <laughs> okay, he won't. Yeah, but, I want to retire undefeated. Is that seriously the goal? Yes, sir. Okay, um, but even if you did lose, can I? You, you, will you even entertain that? Uh, no. Okay. Your your upcoming opponent, February 4th, at the eight-year anniversary of the Hard Rock, is David Burnus. Yes, sir. Your nickname's a tornado. His is the rude dude. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me your thoughts on David. Um, I mean, he's 4-1. and one. He's got a good record. He, uh, I think he's won all his fights with submissions, and he had a really long uh, amateur record. He even fought Miani back in his amateur days. He fought Chris Dunn. You know, he's fought a lot of guys who are, who are pro now and doing great pro, and he's been uh, fighting for a while. He's uh, been fighting longer than I have. He start, I think he started fighting in 08. I don't think I started fighting until 2013. It doesn't even have a fake age for him listed. <laughs> no, yeah. Do we do we know how old he is? Um, I'm sure he's older than me. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're 23. Okay, so um, w- what about his style? Um. I mean, he's won all his fights with submissions, so it seems he favors the ground. But right. also, I've been researching him and seeing he's been doing a little bit of boxing lately. And he's actually from Indiana. He's from Indianapolis, so he could be listening right now. But okay. I'm watching him. I'm studying him. My coaches are studying him. It sounds like you're the you're consummate uh, martial artist and that you're not disrespectful at all, right? Yeah, no, that's not how I want to be represented. I want to be represented hum. As a humble person. These days, a lot of, even in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments, uh, the big ones lately, there's been a lot of trash talk. So not just UFC or Bellator, trash talk has become a part of, even trickled down to, like I said, Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournaments. What are your thoughts on that? Even if if somebody said, Lance, we definitively have proof. If you start talking trash, it's going to help your career. Um, I mean, there is healthy trash talk. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's there's just, you know, you got to, balance how disrespectful you are whether it's healthy or if you're really just representing yourself in a a way you shouldn't now lance i've watched a lot of your fights actually i think i've watched everything that's on youtube your fights i've watched a few of them with my kids even because you go to the same gym as us and and they they've seen you in there and and we're you know we're big fans you say your strength is grappling 
Um, I mean, that's how I've but, won. But when I've watched a lot of your fights, it seems you are very comfortable standing up. You, um, you go right. I mean, it, I don't it leave any holes in the game, and I I have phenomenal striking coaches, and I'm only getting better every fight. You can see I get better in my striking, and my grappling's getting better. It, right now, how many days a week do you devote to striking? Um, or is that is that showing your hand? If if you're, um, if your opponent, it's a little showing my hand, okay, but yeah. I'll say that I I don't keep any week the same anymore. Okay, in this so regimen, you I'll, switch it up. Yeah, maybe this week will have more striking, and maybe this week will have more grappling, or this week will have more conditioning. It, it, if I were to describe, keep again, keep in mind once again, I'm a very novice, even fan of MMA, so I don't know a lot about MMA, but. If you did Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu, and those were what you did all the time, 50-50 even, you could potentially be a, a very strong MMA fighter. Is that an accurate statement or, or assumption on my part? Yeah. Muay yeah. Thai seems to be just the most aggressive kicking and punching out there. You need that wrestling. Got to okay. wrestle. Yeah, you got to wrestle. Okay, so I'm ignoring wrestling. What's the difference between being a strong wrestler and being strong Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner for the sport of MMA? And all three of you, anybody. If chime in, I, I rolled with Brody the other day, and he's tough. Yeah, Brody is tough. <laughs> I, I assume he's a wrestler. Yes, yes, he's okay. a great wrestler, very technical guy. Okay, and I love working with him for fights when I'm getting ready for a wrestling guy. So him and Blake O'Neill and Alex and Terry. So does like Blake, for example, does he train jujitsu too? Yeah, oh, yeah, he's a high level blue belt. But he's a okay. freak. Okay, he's Freaking a machine. Age. But, but, but he, his strength would be wrestling. Yes. yes. Okay. So what, what's the difference? Back to my question, and I don't know if it's even easy to describe. Um, between someone who's good at grappling and favors wrestling versus someone who's good at grappling and favors jujitsu, I would say the reason you need wrestling and not just jujitsu is say this guy's a better striker than you. Just because you're better at jujitsu doesn't mean you're going to be able to get him to the ground if his wrestling's better than yours. Oh, okay. Because if your jujitsu is better than his, but his wrestling's better, you're going to end up in a stand-up fight, and you might not want that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you, you, you got to get the takedowns. Also, I, I know there's jujitsu guys that believe in this, but it, it uh, with a wrestler, they care a lot more about position. And some jujitsu guys do, um, but with wrestling, it's a lot more position over submission. Yep. And so, like, you'll see with Lance, when he's got top control, he's more worried about wrestling. And so when he gets to the back and stuff like that, it's more controlled. We're not as active. But if you catch us in our guard – then we're going to be more active for the submission. And that's where the jiu-jitsu is going to come more into play. So in your opinion, Terry, Lance's jiu-jitsu, he has more of a, a wrestling-type approach. He focuses on the position more so than just going for some fancy submission. He takes a wrestling-type approach. Well, kind of. Like I said, it depends. If Lance, if Lance gets top control on you, you're done. Especially if he gets your back. If Lance if is on top of you, if, he's holding you. Yeah, if if he gets top control on you, the round's over. He's finishing the round or he's finishing the fight. Same with the back. If he gets your back, it's a matter of time before he finishes the round of the fight. But he's patient. Twenty three seconds. Now once once he once you get top control on him and you're in his guard or something, that's where the jujitsu is going to come more into play. He's not going to be more worried about holding the position. He's going to be more worried about you know scrambling to get up or. Whatever, attacking the submission. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, it, it. Just depends. You know, you you got to have both. You got to have the wrestling and the jujitsu. And okay. how you use it is on you. But you just you want to you want to be mixed in both. So maybe I, I was I, I stated it incorrectly when I said jujitsu and muay thai. Maybe a three prong system. Is that a more accurate representation? Uh, yeah, you yeah, get yeah. by a yes. lot better if you threw some wrestling in there. 
Yeah. Lance, I know you guys, the community in Louisville is so neat because everybody seems to embrace everybody Everyone else. Everyone pretty even, much helps each other out. Even if there's a little beef or something, it seems to be squashed pretty quickly. No, nah, there's no beef ever. Yeah. yeah. Never. <laughs> Being sarcastic? <laughs> no, no. Alex's life is sarcastic. <laughs> in all seriousness, even if there is, it seems to be squ- from my perspective, which once again I don't know a whole lot, but it seems to be squashed pretty quickly. Yeah. And people still train with each I other. Mean, me and, and me and Trey Wills fought, and not even a week later, he's in five hundred two training with me. Yeah. Really? So I mean, and and that was a war. I mean, that was a fight. And, and two years ago in my career, I wouldn't be training with the guy. But the way the city's evolved and the way fighters are now. Like it's it's kind of more you you got a lot more humble guys around here. They the just want to get the, yeah. Sport. They just want to get the best training possible, and that don't matter who they got to train with. I had Dante in a few weeks ago, yeah. and, and savage. Before he's been his fight. He's been in five hundred two. Okay, but Lance, you told me you'd done judo with him. Yeah, years years ago, whenever there was a gym over here with Jeremy Voiles here in Indiana, I met him here, and there Sean Waltenberg was uh, running judo out here, and Kong was at the gym at the time and I remember getting partnering up with him at judo and we were going judo toss for judo toss and mm-hmm. he's not a small person. No. no. Yeah. I'd say he's about six five, every bit of two sixty five. He's a big he's a big heavyweight. He can, I, can we all agree he got ripped off the other day? Oh yeah. yeah. Yes, one hundred percent. and that's because of the uh, he, Gary, he, he Gary Copeland will back. tell you. Gary Copeland will tell you in the fighters meeting before a fight. You act like it's headphones, just like these headphones we got on now. You catch a piece of the ear, you're clean. As long as you get any piece of the ear, you're clean. And I mean, he describe he, to our listeners what happened with Dante because he's basically yeah, uh, about as successful of a guy nationally right now, going from right here. Dante Dante has really, really good striking, and he's a really long heavyweight. He's fast. He's athletic. Good judo. Good wrestling. He's hungry. And, uh, he he's fighting on a televised card on Access. Uh, I think it was the last Legacy card. And uh, or it might have been RFA, RFA. yeah, RFA. RFA. And uh, he he lands a takedown, and he's fighting a veteran guy. Dontel's two and zero, oh, and uh, he lands a takedown, big ground and pound. I mean, it, the fight could have been finished prior to the to the elbow. The the ref could have stopped it, but Dontel throws an elbow, clips a piece of the ear, got mainly the back of the head, but he clips the ear. And by MMA rules, you clip the ear; it's it's legal shot, and. Uh, the guy kind of sold it. I don't think he wanted to fight very much more, anyways. And uh, they stopped the fight. Dontel got disqualified, and and I, I my my favorite part, like I said, I'm I'm a humble guy, but my favorite part was the Dontel Mays interview afterwards because he called the guy out and he said he really didn't want to fight, and then th- kind of throws it like a slap in the face and was like, "Well, I got a belt in a lower promotion. If that dude wants the rematch, he can come get it." You know, like so yeah. we just fought at RFA, but if you want to come down to HVOC, you know, we can fight for a belt and uh, we can do it again and I'll show you what it's about. So I, I have like a feeling that, that guy will probably pretend like he didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah, probably. yeah. He, he don't want no part of Dontel. <laughs> Dontel's a Not beast. many people probably do, and being a heavyweight like that, I think that guy pretty can go high far. Ceiling. Yeah, you'll, yeah. You'll, you'll see him in the UFC in the future. Yeah, I would not be surprised yeah, at all. Yeah, not at all. He, he's, he's a savage. He's hungry. And he was a real nice guy. He's from right here in Jeffersonville. Yeah, yep. he's, he's a real humble guy. Yeah, he's really nice when you meet him in person. <laughs> Not so much if you're in the cage with no, him. You, no. You, you look at him, and he's an intimidating guy, but you get to talking to him, and he's really he's really a he's nice cool. guy. Yeah. And then you watch him fight, and you're like, okay, that's that beast that yeah. I see. I would love to watch to be able to see him and Emilio fight. Him and Harry Hunsucker was a really good fight. Yeah, that's true. And him and Emilio would be a really good fight. Yeah, I'd love to see Emilio and him. Just a few minutes left, Lance. You had said a couple minutes ago that MMA is the fastest growing sport out there. Yeah. Here in Louisville, it seems to be a r- 
from my perspective, being a sports radio host, a really neat, tightly knit community, and it seems to be thriving and everything's uh, on the up and up. Um, what are some examples that any new, I mean, how many, all right, let me think here. You're, you guys are both Area 502. Yes, sir. Yes, okay. Sir. And, and Lance, you've trained in different places over the years, Area yes. 502. Yeah, yeah. I did most of my uh, career through Area 502. Uh, th- as of this fight, I'll be fighting, representing Team Cruise. Okay, Team Cruise, which he's I've been affili- a lot affiliated of with Area 502, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, so there's a lot of different local gyms. Any local gyms we haven't given a shout-out to we need to? Um, let's get Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky, okay. Scott Smith. Man, love them what, guys. What, Louisville Combat Academy. Louisville Combat Academy. Yeah, AJ Jenkins at Combat Academy in the Fergusons. Um, Adrian is awesome. I've trained a yeah. lot with Adrian throughout the years. He's he's an awesome guy. He's a OG in the sport. He's fighting back yeah. in 2007, dude's, 2008. He's got really I think heavy he was on the first hands. Hard Rock. Yeah, yeah we, Hard Rock posted the other day on Facebook. His very first ever MMA show was a title fight with Adrian Jenkins on it. And it Louisville was Combat eight years Academy. ago. Yep. So it's only right that we're all representing yep. the anniversary show. Yeah. Lance, I'll ask, what does Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky, I mean, that's kind of where you're doing your Jiu-Jitsu now. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what, where what, I'm getting all my what, fine-tuning What, what at. do they bring to the table for you? Um, details, man. Details on how to, on positions, submissions, on holes in my game. You know, they just give me extra looks. Scott's always there to, at the end of the class, just to help me uh, fix holes in my game for like an extra hour if, if I stay that long. He Everyone there will just help you as much as you'll let them help. They've now got three black belts. Three black belts. Chad, Brian, and like Scott. Like a dozen purples, a yeah, bunch there's... of browns. It's uh, it's real nice over there, getting good looks. I go over there, you know, an empty cup and come back a full cup like every day. Good stuff. So some of the other schools you guys mentioned, Four Seasons in Lexington. Yeah, Mike O'Donnell, yep. Four Seasons. Okay. Uh, shout out. Junie Browning, I heard something yep. about him uh, about to be back on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. That's where he's at. Four they're gonna do yeah, there's Michael a rumor Donald. that they're going to bring Junie back on the Ultimate Fighter. I thought they canceled the show. If you don't know Junie Browning, I, yeah, but, uh, he hit he hit one of the nastiest guard passes in the okay. Ultimate Fighter that actually originated in Louisville MMA wow. with Jason Y and Brandon Bishop, and he hits this nasty yeah. move. And uh, Junie's been up and down in his career. Oh, he but, certainly had some – wild uh yeah. headlines but about he, him he just got back from thailand i think he's uh, he's got he's a baby now and yeah, he's changed he's his life so it'd be good, good to see him get a chance i again. read about that reunion uh, ultimate fighter show on bluegrassmma.com gary thomas jr so we'll give him a shout out yeah. actually he just messaged me and said he didn't have any questions for anyone but he wanted me to tell tell you guys he loves all i love uh, gary. gary yeah he's awesome gary. man he messaged me after my last fight yeah. and really? you know it was it was a really nice message to, uh to see that because uh, you know i've I've grew up watching, you know, Gary. Like, I read all the articles and stuff yeah. before fights, and Gary's covered a, almost all my fights through my career. So yeah. for him to send me a message and say, like, that was one of the best fights he's ever seen, that was that was super yeah. humbling. So Gar- it, Gary's an awesome guy. Can't have much eyes. of a conversation about local MMA in Kentucky and surrounding states without mentioning Juan Valley, yep. yeah, Gary and, Thomas. And Jr. Thomas. Yeah. They're awesome. Everything they've done for our sport here in 
bluegrass yeah. grassroots MMA yeah, promotion. Like they they yeah. promote so so yep. many local shows, Love their so many local fighters, and they they still follow a lot of guys even when they make a big. Dom Steele's in the UFC. They're yeah. huge fans of Dom. They yeah. still follow him. Um, uh, Adam uh, Midstead or whatever, Milstead. Just, Milstead just fought in the UFC. They still cover him. Yeah. Guys, Cody we, Garbrandt, so, local guy. Yep, we got to wrap things up here, guys. Thank you so much for coming in. Once again, we are the Weekend Sports Buzz. Here on 1450 WXVW. Guys, we'll have you back in very yes, soon. Thank Shout you so out much. Shout out Kelly Patrick. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Be sure to join us next Sunday from 9 to 11. We'll have more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Let me tell you, baby. What does it mean to me?
I'll see you guys in there soon too. Yeah, yeah.